Just Thinking with hosts Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker, bringing you week-to-week cultural apologetics as well as social issues from a biblical worldview. This is Just Thinking. Let's think. We're back with another edition of the Just Thinking broadcast. That's right, we're global. I am Virgil Walker. And I am Daryl Harrison. What's up, Omaha? What's up, what's up, man? I'm, I'm back. Omaha is back in the saddle. As they <laughs> as they say out in Omaha, we say back in the house <laughs> out here on the East Coast. But I'm sure y'all say back in the saddle, back out, out there where you are out there in Nebraska. Yeah, man. Bro, it's <laughs> bro, it's it's good to be back, man. I feel incredibly refreshed on so many levels, man. I appreciate you. A, a bunch and and Dwayne man for just allowing me man some time to just just take some time off and just kind of get focused to handle some things at home some things personally some things spiritually and otherwise and uh man it meant, meant a lot to me for you guys just allowing me to do that and to and to really get focused man it was a it was a blessing a to take the time off and then to be blessed with with your uh your your podcast man the one that you did uh on you know with regard to spiritual purity and the church uh, which was awesome. Uh, it was a, it was in, incredibly encouraging to me personally, and I know it was to to the body of Christ as well. To those who got a chance to hear that, uh, and then the follow up with the with the podcast uh, on on dealing with issues around anger uh, was was absolutely awesome. And uh, man, both of those, uh, just so that you know, Daryl, were, were were two podcasts that were a, a special blessing to me as as I just as I shared with you, uh-huh. just kind of walking through some things spiritually as well just wanting to add uh just just making sure i take the time uh to focus a on family uh, and b on just spiritual well-being as well so man it's just really really good to take the time i appreciate you guys for allowing me to do that hey you're welcome man no need to thank me i mean uh you know we're in this together uh we're brothers uh and i think the beauty of uh you know us sort of having one another's back especially man since we've never met in person and I think that's the beauty of having that having Christ as our common bond. Yeah, that's good. That uh, you know we have uh, brothers and sisters all over this planet that we'll never meet uh, until we see one another in heaven. But that doesn't matter, does it, Omaha? It doesn't. It doesn't matter, matter that uh, you know that you and I have never met. That you're on one end of the country and I'm on another. Uh, you know, given uh, your need to step away for a couple weeks, man. I mean, it was a no-brainer. This is what my brother needs to do. Uh, I need to come alongside him in that regard. And that's what we did. I'm sure you'd have done the same for me. Oh, absolutely. But, uh, but, but you were missed, man. I mean, you, uh, it's, it's like you got quite a following out there, man. I mean, you've got quite a following. It's to the point now where I can't even call you by your birth name anymore. Right. Your, your, your fans, they, they have bonded to you under the moniker of Omaha. Omaha. Right. Right. And that was reinforced, man, during the two weeks while you were out. Yeah. That was reinforced to me. I'm sure that was reinforced to you in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. There were were a number of inbox messages and, you know, Omaha where yet, you know, some of the handful of tweets, I tried to stay off of social media as well, just to kind of decompress and just kind of get away. And, uh, and focus on family and just, just my own personal stuff. But uh, yeah, man, it really was, it was a blessing to kind of see and to experience that. And so it was, it was, it was really good, really, really refreshing, man, to see that folks are listening, benefiting from, from what, what we're doing out there and, and uh, from what, what you've kind of pushed out there and I get a chance to ride on and it, it, it's been a blessing it really has. So. Well, welcome back Omaha. It's really great to have you black back brother. Um, I really appreciate you. Uh, um, as a brother, as a friend, and, uh, you know, your contribution, man, to this ministry. And this is what this is. This broadcast is a ministry uh, where we share the gospel each and every episode. Yeah, I can't believe, man, this is episode 38. Wow, man. 38. We're coming up on our 40th episode, uh, but this is episode 38, and uh, we want to welcome our listeners. We really appreciate all of you taking the time to listen to the Just Thinking broadcast, and you're going to be hearing us refer to this uh, medium, this program that we have as a broadcast, because we do, uh, I don't want to call it a simulcast, but we do additionally uh, 
play these episodes on Urban Family Talk mm-hmm. on Saturday afternoons. So you can go to urbanfamilytalk.com and listen to us uh, there on Saturday. So given that's sort of a hybrid uh, audience that we have, we have the uh, podcast listeners and then we have the radio listeners on Urban Family Talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, thought a uh, more accurate term to basically encompass uh, listeners from both of those spaces would be uh, to refer to it as the just thinking broadcast. So I don't want anyone thinking we just got bougie all of a sudden and, and got too <laughs> got too big for our britches out here. Right, uh, right. that we're going to all fancy schmancy using broadcast. Right. But now that's kind of the logic behind that. So, but uh, thanks again for all to all of our listeners for taking that's the time cool. to listen. Uh, this is episode 38. Uh, so, uh, Omaha, I tell you, um, the, uh, it, it just won't stop. It's, it's, it's like, it's like back in the day, man, you're at the club and you know, the DJ spinning the wheels and you, right. know, you just go like, and you don't stop and you right. don't quit. Right. And it's like, it just won't quit. No. It just will not stop. On and on to the break of dawn. On to the break of dawn. <laughs> <laughs> right. It just keeps man. going. It just keeps it just keeps going. So so what we're going to be talking about in this episode of the Just Thinking broadcast is something that was brought to my attention by a couple friends on uh, social media. I, I I did not come across this independently, but uh, this was passed my way a couple days ago. Uh, something called cause. I'm sorry. Call to pause. Yeah. Call to pause. By an organization uh, known as Freedom Road. Mm-hmm. Freedom Road uh, put together a group of, I mean, I don't know what else to refer to them as. I mean, these are some of the wokest individuals I've come across. Right, right. Um, I mean, these these folks are like hyper-woke. Right. Uh, and apparently, th- this group of Christians, some theologians, some uh, uh, some not, some preachers, some involved in social the uh, social justice aspect of the evangelical movement, mm-hmm. um, are they came together and put together this statement under uh, Freedom Road called the document is titled "Call to Pause." Evangelical men join women's call to hit pause on culture war. Mm-hmm. Okay. Call to pause. Evangelical men join women's call to hit pause on culture war. This document was dated July 18th, 2018. The byline is freedom road media. Mm-hmm. So Omaha, I read through the document today several times yeah. in uh, preparation for this, uh, for this broadcast yep. episode 38. And, um, you, you know, it, it's, it's, and I'm going to say this as, as nicely and as Ephesians 4.15-y as I can. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but the hypocrisy of this document is just unbelievable. Yeah. It's just absolutely unbelievable. So to give the listeners some background, what the basic, the, the thesis of this, um, movement this 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 document with all its signatories right uh they're separate uh and uh and uh, various statements on the uh on the issue is they are expressing concern over the nomination of judge Brett Kavanaugh to the to the Supreme Court by President Donald Trump right and all of a sudden this call to pause is so concerned about this nomination mm-hmm. that they've organized themselves into a movement asking the United States Senate, which has to vote to confirm or not every nominee to the Supreme court to sort of hit pause on this guy. Right. Hit pause on this guy for a second because in their estimation, Kavanaugh, would not be a fitting um, confirmation. He would not be a fitting associate justice to serve on the Supreme Court with respect to 
demographics that in this document, these individuals repeatedly make reference to. Mm-hmm. I mean, Namely, go ahead, Omaha. I was just going to say, they, they, most of what they do, they begin their, they begin their line of reasoning, many of them, by, by, by appealing to their, their ethnic identity. You know, as right. a as a black man, as a Hispanic woman, as a and so the, the the appeal begins from a position of their ethnicity, um, rather than from a logic or 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 position of reason or a position of here here's the issue. It's I, you know, and, and so so the, the the appeal is to intersectionality rather right. rather than to here's the logic and reason behind why this person would be bad for uh for the for the court right here's the here's the objective logic and reason right behind this so right. you're absolutely right so based on the fact that they launch into their their thesis if you will for why they are opposed to the Kavanaugh nomination they automatically launch into this sort of segregationist mm-hmm. and I don't mean segregationist in the white supremacist sense of the civil rights era. And, and that what I mean is that they compartmentalize and separate themselves, uh, um, uh, you know, um, uh, on the lines of ethnicity, mm-hmm. gender, mm-hmm. Uh, culture <laughs> in such a way that the Supreme court, is no longer an objective judicial entity, but a subjective sociocultural body. Absolutely. Okay. And I found it interesting that in reading the document by Freedom Road Media, again, uh, for those of you just joining us, we're basically taking a survey of a document titled Call to Pause. Evangelical men join women's call to hit pause on culture war published by Freedom Road Media on July 18th, 2018. What I find interesting in this is that you've got folks who have signed off on this document pleading with the Senate to put forth a more moderate, and one individual, I can't recall their name right now, used the word balanced, Mm -hmm. put forth a more balanced nominee Mm -hmm. than uh, Judge Kavanaugh for the court when there's nothing balanced about their argument here. Mm -mm. There's absolutely nothing balanced about their argument. Uh, you know, when you look at um, the the rationale being put forth by the folks who have signed off on this document, they use very, they repeatedly use very militaristic language. Mm-hmm. They use terms like like war repeatedly. This is a culture war. They blame uh, essentially white evangelicals going all the way back to the 80s. Mm-hmm launching the war back then. So they cite organizations such as the moral majority uh, and, and the like as launching this war, this culture war, as they put it back in the eighties. And they want to pull on the heartstrings of the readers by especially sort of um, combining or coalescing various aspects or dimensions of the quote unquote life issue. Mm-hmm. Okay, to include not just Roe v. Wade and abortion, but no. also the lives of immigrants, the poor, the disenfranchised, women, and basically put them all, put all of those categories into under one banner that they call life. Right, and any anybody that anybody that you can put into the social justice warrior soup. Right. Social justice warrior soup, man. I like that. I like that. <laughs> Omaha is back in the house, y'all. <laughs> it is a social justice warrior soup. It really is, man. And the soup, we all had alphabet soup when we were young, right? Right. Absolutely. The soup continues. There's alphabets that continue to be added to the soup. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And what, what was part of the fun, Verge? As a as a young child, when you your mom your dad would feed you alphabet soup, right? 
is that you would sort of play around with the spoon and take the alphabet noodles and yep. see what words you could spell. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> well, that's what's happening here with the social justice warrior soup. It is. There's so many categories being added that you're you're being being able to spell now more and more categories of social justice causes to where now even the Supreme Court has to be woke. Mm-hmm. They are arguing in this document that the Supreme Court be be comprised that that so let me put it this way that ethnicity and gender be a factor. Yes. In Supreme Court nominees, because in the history of the Supreme Court, too many white men have been confirmed as justices. Not enough women have been nominated. Not enough people of color have been nominated. Let alone confirmed Mm -hmm. to the Supreme Court. So, again, as much as these individuals talk about having a balanced nominee. They're very the very language that they use. It's unbalanced. Mm-hmm. It's slanted. It's biased. Okay. So to, so to the extent that the folks from Freedom Road, the individuals who signed off on this document, they want a justice who will specifically, shall we say, render, dis- not render decisions, but vote or side with a particular group of people or a particular cause, namely the poor, the disenfranchised, while at the same time calling for impartiality and balance. Right. And, and to and me, that's where the hypocrisy comes it, in. It is hypocrisy. Justice is to be blind. It should, not, it should neither favor the poor nor the affluent. Uh, justice is, is to be just, uh, and, and, and it should favor that which is right and true and just. Uh, so whether that's someone who's poor uh, or someone who's wealthy, uh, it should be justice, right? And so we shouldn't, we shouldn't be concerned with, with, with who that is. We should be concerned with whether or not they can rightly divide that, you know, the law. Um, that should be what's at hand. I thought, the, I thought it was interesting, though, man, as, as you kind of read through uh, this how I think to the point you made earlier, how they began to look at the issue uh, around abortion uh, and how they took the issue of life and began to morph it into so many different aspects. I want to read a, a part of this uh, a section here where, where uh, here in the in the article uh, it says now now comma on the brink of the political win uh, culture warriors have dreamt about for more than three decades evangelical women and men of color and their white evangelical uh, allies are voicing dissent. It's interesting how they stop and and categorize all of these different. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's the only growing segment of the evangelical church. People of color warn uh, the conservative evangelical strategy to dominate the Supreme court will result in, in, in increased abortion rates, particularly in poor communities and communities of color. What's more, a conservative majority court poses an, an existential threat to the civil rights and protections gained through the civil rights movement. And hard data proves uh, proves it it proves it rather. And evangelicals are saying no. And then they go on to talk about abortion rates for American women. They've hit an all-time low, but they've increased among the poor, and they believe that this to be true because of economic hardship as the primary driver. And they talk about the way to reduce this is not through escalating culture wars, but by reducing poverty. And they, and I don't know what the court has to do with the process of reducing poverty, but that, that, that the idea that that's a part of your argumentation for the purpose of putting the pause on, on, on Kavanaugh or on any justice, because this really isn't about Kavanaugh per se, Right. But, it's, but it's about the process that they're trying to go through in, in an effort to the point you made earlier, in an effort to see the most woke uh, justice right. on the court to yeah. advance a cause for social justice is really what's at issue. Yeah, see, see that, that's again, that's where the hypocrisy comes in for me. Here you have these individuals trying to pretend that they're not pushing an agenda. Right. But they're pushing an agenda. Right. They're pushing an agenda. They won't they won't admit that, but they're pushing an overtly social 
socialist in a lot of ways agenda. And I want to harken back, man, just a second to uh, tee up again uh, part of the quote that you just read from this document. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm quoting here, Abor- quote, abortion rates for American women have hit an all-time low, but they've increased among poor women because economic hardship is the primary driver of abortion. The way to reduce abortion is not through escalating culture wars, but by reducing poverty, unquote. Now, one thing I want to say about that, because Verge, especially you, you're more of an authority figure on this, on the issue of abortion than I am given your ministry for years out there in the streets in front of abortion clinics ministering uh, in that space. I want to say to anyone who wants to use the excuse of one's low or less ideal economic station in life with respect to poverty being a driver for abortion. Poverty never got anyone pregnant. Right. (laughs) Okay. You can't get pregnant by poverty. Right. All right. Poverty doesn't cause pregnancy. So to to use as an excuse that economic hardship is the primary driver of abortion, we have to back up a little bit, a little play on words. We got to pause. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> we got to pause a little bit. And let's back up to what's really the problem. Because what's really the problem in these communities that they – you know, want you to think that they care so deeply about mm-hmm. is disobeying God's precepts and principles mm-hmm. for how we are to carry ourselves and discipline ourselves with regard to the decisions we make, yeah. such as saving sex for marriage. Absolutely. Okay, I mean, come on, let's keep it real here. Absolutely. Economic hardship doesn't cause pregnancy. Having sex causes pregnancy. Right. It's been that way since Genesis chapter four, verse one. (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, because this is what we do, right, Verge? We do. On the Just Think Apart broadcast. Pages we, turning, man. I hear them pages turning. That's right. We open the Word of God. I'm going to break out my trusty N- MacArthur NASB. If you think I'm lying, here it is. <laughs> Genesis 4, chapter 1. Now the man had relations with his wife Eve, and she conceived. Mm. Now, I don't see anything in Genesis chapter 1 up to that point in Genesis four verse one about Adam and Eve being impoverished. Mm-mm. Okay. Matter of fact, there were the two, not only were they the two only people on the planet, they were wealthy. Mm-hmm. They had an entire garden created just for them. Everything at their disposal, except for that one tree. Mm-hmm but they just had to have that one. They had to have that one thing out of entire, out of the entirety of what God blessed them with, but they just had to have that one thing. Right. This is no different than what we're talking about here. No different. God has established boundaries and parameters within which we are to live. But our nature is such that we want to step outside that boundary and then call ourselves fixing it in other ways other than calling for obedience back to those boundaries. Mm. It's the same thing. It is. So when someone wants to argue, well, economic hardship is the primary driver of abortion. No, no, it's not. Mm -mm. The primary driver of abortion in a lot of these poor communities and neighborhoods is regret, inconvenience. It's inconvenience. Mm -hmm. I can't afford to have this baby. Oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. As if someone just waved a magic wand, like voila, you're pregnant. Mm -hmm. 
where does the economic hardship play in the decision to have sex unprotected, unmarried, or whatever the case may be? Right. Where's the economic hardship play in that decision? So we're only talking about the effects. We're not talking about the root cause here. No, you're you're exactly right. What's what's even more incredible, and I've, I've not only myself, I've been with a number of other other men of God who've been at these places and spaces who've offered every resource known to man up into um, adoption. Say, so, hey, we we I've got people on standby right now. They are they are a phone call away who are willing to adopt your child. So a, abortion is not a requirement. It is not. Uh, something you have to do in this instance. And so we will take care of all of your medical needs. We'll take care of all of, you know, any, any, any issue that you have. If you've got a, a, a boyfriend or a fiance or significant other that's, that's, that's harming you in some way, we've got a place for you to stay, a, a bed for you to lay in with comfort. And I mean, we, we, we offer every resource known to keep them safe and out of harm's way. And, and even at that, these women still knowingly go in and make a decision to murder their child. Right. And see, I don't know where the church is. And when I say church, I'm specifically for sake of this conversation that we're having, I'm speaking to the individuals who are part of this call to pause initiative. What is wrong? Whatever happened to, the church being the prophetic voice in our culture today, calling people to obey God with regard to sex when you're not married, with regard to how to manage your finances, Mm -hmm. with regard to relationships that you should and shouldn't establish. What is wrong with teaching our young people don't have sex until you're married? Mm -hmm. And you can avoid in many ways, not just being in a situation where you may be considering abortion, but you're more likely to avoid economic poverty as well. Right. Okay. And, and, and back to to a comment you made a second ago, Virg, I think you're absolutely right with respect to the the job of an associate justice. See, here's what, here's what the folks at freedom road want. When a, uh, when a president nominates someone to the Supreme court, they are being nominated to fill the position of associate justice. Mm -hmm. That's the title. Mm -hmm. But see what cats at freedom road want, they don't want an associate justice. They want a social justice. <laughs> See? Right. They're trying right. to fill the court with social justices, not associate justice. Right. That's what they want. That's what these guys want. Yeah. That's what we, that's what these cats at Freedom Road want. They want us. They want a, a, a Supreme Court that is stacked with nine social justices. Yeah. yeah. See. To your point about the justices ruling rightly and objectively, mm-hmm. listen, as much as the folks here at Freedom Road and this initiative with Call to Pause, uh, they continually and repeatedly cite the poor, the poor, the poor. Right. Well, listen, listen to what the scriptures say about the poor. Mm-hmm. Romans, uh, Romans, um, uh, I'm sorry, Exodus, uh, two, Exodus 23, 3. Exodus 23, 3, and do not show favoritism to a poor person. Mm-hmm. That was Exodus 23, 3. That's in the Bible, folks. Right. Right. Exodus 23, 3, and do not show favoritism to a poor person. Leviticus 19, 15, do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor mm-hmm. or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. Mm-hmm. You see, and the folks here at Freedom Road with this call to pause initiative, they are advocating a the, the nomination and confirmation of a justice to the Supreme Court that will show favoritism to the poor. Mm-hmm. And, so, and see, did you also grasp, Virg, I'm sure you got this. The more you read through this document, through this calls, 
call to pause document by Freedom Road, I found it really interesting that they are, they're almost acting like a group of theonomists where they want the Supreme, they are urging the Supreme Court and the United States Senate. They are appealing to the United States Senate on the basis of what the gospel says, as if we live in a, a theocracy, right. that the Senate is, is theonomic in right. the way it carries out its duties. I thought right. that was very interesting. It, it, it would, it, you know, and I, I wouldn't even, it wouldn't, that wouldn't be so bad if, the theonomy wasn't on the basis of a God that they created in their own mind. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Great point. <laughs> Great point. Great point. I mean, we're not even talking about the, the, the biblical God. We're not even talking about the God of the Bible. I mean, we're talking about a God they've created in their own mind. And now on that basis, we're going to create a theonomy. Right. So, and, 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 and for those of you who may not be familiar with the term, the uh, the word theonomy is is basically the idea that all the mosaic law should be observed by modern society. So basically, you're looking at all the Old Testament mosaic law. Uh, th- there are theonomists who are Christians today. There are many Christians are theonomists. I happen to not be one, but when you read through this document, they are positing a theonomic attribute to the Senate a theonomic dimension to the Supreme Court as if uh, uh, they're making the argument that the Supreme Court should should, uh, should adjudicate their decisions on the basis of what the Bible says. Now, that would be a beautiful thing. I wouldn't you know, necessarily uh, argue that it's not a good thing, but that's not the Supreme Court's job. Right. And, the and, Supreme, and, and, go ahead. And, and to the point I made, it would be a beautiful thing if it were on the basis of true. I mean, you just right. you just expose the fact that they're not they're not even reading the same Bible, right? I mean, we, 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 you just expose the fact as you as you just as you just read that what they're talking about has has nothing to do with with fairness across the board, apart from looking at poor uh, or, or or issues based upon race. Or gender, you, right. they're they're looking at issues through through a particular lens where right. the Bible where the Bible already t- tells us that that that's that's inherently uh, problematic. You know what's interesting about your point about them not reading the same Bible? The Supreme Court is composed of five Catholics, mm-hmm. three Jews, and one. Uh, it could be argued that he's either Episcopalian or Catholic. Mm-hmm. But I'm not even gonna go into that. That's 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 a that's a whole nother episode. I'm just saying. Yeah. He, he, he you are a group here with the the uh, gentlemen and ladies at Freedom Road mm-hmm. appealing on the basis of what I would say selectively lifted out scriptures from the Bible. They are uh, applying those and appealing on the basis of those texts to the United States Senate a secular body mm-hmm. and on the other hand to the United States Supreme Supreme court, a secular body all of a sudden. And I wonder where, where were these people? Where was freedom road when president Obama nominated his three uh, nominees? Yeah, I, man, that you, you just teed it up. Cause I'm, I'm getting ready to back into uh, man, the, the article that, that, that you wrote uh, on your blog on uh, justthinking.me, it was a, pr- a reply uh, to a beloved brother regarding the, the Kavanaugh SCOTUS nomination. If you, if you haven't taken the time uh, to go and to check out uh, justthinking.me, Daryl's blog, you are absolutely missing out. I mean, some of the best. I, I, I teed it up on, on, on uh, my Facebook page. I say that Daryl, you know, Daryl's a, a bad man on the microphone, but he is, he is a beast on the pen. I mean, he, he, he really puts it down. I would encourage you to go check out that article. He really takes time to unpack uh, the, the arguments there. And so I, I want to kind of give you a chance to, to just kind of answer a couple of things real quick uh, with regard to this, Daryl, and, and, and I'll just kind of pose it out there. Is this for you a, an argument in favor of of the Kavanaugh nomination, or is there something bigger behind this issue that's really at stake here? 
Yeah, it's definitely something bigger for me. It's not. It's, it's neither pro nor anti Kavanaugh. It's anti hypocrisy. Mm. It's anti timing of, you know, with all due respect, the brother that I replied to in the in the blog article, as well as these uh, ladies and gentlemen, these brothers and sisters within Freedom Road, because I thought the timing of these protestations is curious at best, because we just came out of an eight year period in which. Barack Obama was president and his um, uh, his agenda specifically with respect to uh, homosexual marriage, the entire LGBTQ XYZ agenda. He embraced all of that and he did it openly, openly. And yet he was evangelicals helped elect him twice. Right. The office. Now, where were these voices then? Where were these voices of concern then? Where were these voices of concern when Barack Obama nominated and had confirmed um, Justice Sotomayor and Justice Kagan, who put, because they sided with the 5-4 decision in the Obergefell case that legalized same-sex marriage in America, where were the protestations then about those two justices, Kagan and Sotomayor, helping to make law probably, if not the most egregious form of unbiblical human relationships there is? Mm-hmm. Where, were, where were these voices then? So in the blog article, I'm arguing against the hypocrisy of it all. Yeah. All of, all of a sudden, now we're supposed to have a conscience as it relates to the life issues, quote unquote. Where was this conscience then? When, when, when Barack Obama had the White House illuminated in rainbow colors, mm-hmm. which was an act of absolute theft of God's symbolism of the rainbow. Right, right, right. Where were these voices then? So, this piece that I wrote on the blog. And just recently, just as a side note, I've written like three blog articles in the past 10 days. That's never happened. (laughs) But I dropped like three brand new blog articles out there in the past 10 days. But this piece that was in reply to this this brother, and he is my brother. I've never met him, never talked to him. But uh, in the blog article, I give background as to how I came across the piece and why I was motivated to to write what I did, but just to answer your question, uh, Omaha, yeah, it was it was it was definitely the latter. Is there something bigger yeah. here that I was trying to respond to in this piece? Yeah, I, I want to read. I want to read a part of this, a part of the section of this, because I, th- I think I mean there's there's so much of it that that I thought was really really rich. Um, that that's good, and I'm trying to trying to leave the name out of it, and and uh, in in an effort to kind of follow your lead, and I'll let those who get on the um, who, who jump on uh, justthinking.me to take a look at the blog article. They'll take the time to take a look at that. I just, I'll just i just read it. It says this in quote, uh, in discussing the potential impact of a, Kavan- of a Kavanaugh nomination on black Christians, uh, we must not feign ignorance of the fact that Democratic and Republican presidents alike, especially in recent decades, have leveraged the authority granted them under the, under the appointments clause of the U.S. Constitution to appoint men and women to the Supreme Court in an effort to for better or worse, uh, and, and embed their personal worldview into law and thus affect the philosophical and ideological direction of this country in perpetuity, as Supreme Court appointments are for life. Given this reality, we sh- it would be naive, to say the least, to deny that President Obama had in view the, le- the legalization of same-sex marriage when he nominated both Kagan and Sotomayor to the Supreme Court. Likewise, I'm not oblivious to the possibility that President Trump has his sights set on leveraging a Kavanaugh appointment to overturn Roe v. Wade, which in 1973 legalized abortion under the 14th Amendment. Um, but, but and you mentioned the person's name, his commentary uh, about Judge Kavanaugh is not limited to how he may or may not be, may or may not benefit black Christians as a Supreme Court justice, but that President Trump nominated him at all. And, and, and I think that the issue that you take up throughout this piece 
is the continued hypocrisy. Not that, not that, 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 not based upon issue, but based upon the fact that Trump was the one who made the nomination and based upon the fact that it was indeed Trump, it has to be, it has to come from a racist agenda. It has to mm-hmm, come from the, mm-hmm. the, the knee jerk idea that all of these issues are race based or are, are wrong headed are, are are thought to be wrong and to be a backward step for all, all things black rather than a real examination of worldview through the lens of scripture. Is that, is right. that, do I have that right? You nailed it. You nailed it. As a matter of fact, if I could just piggyback on that section of the article that yeah. you quoted, I'm going to cite another paragraph from the piece that I wrote where I write this. Um, I'll leave the name out as well, but the gentleman to whom I was replying contends that quote, the president missed the opportunity to change the narrative of a court dominated by white male appointments, unquote. While, and this is, this is me picking up again. Uh, so the gentleman says uh, he contends that, Uh, President Trump missed the opportunity to change the narrative of a court dominated by white male appointments while augmenting his assertions with a CNN article pointing out that in the history of the Supreme Court, all but six justices have been white males. But that but be that as it may, I remain dogmatic in the view that black Christians should resist the urge to view the appointment of Brett Kavanaugh as a matter of social justice as if such characteristics as gender and ethnicity are factors that would inherently be of some collective political or legislative benefit to them. You see, so, so one of the points that I argue in this block article is that the gentleman to whom I am responding once again has pigeonholed black Christians into this myopic ideology whereby we're viewed solely as individuals who care about improving the economic station of the less fortunate, the uh, disenfranchised and the uh, economic disadvantaged, whereby my contention is not only do we care about those issues, but we also care about issues such as taxes, terrorism, school choice, creating jobs, you name it. But see, here we are again with these uh, brothers and sisters within the uh, this Freedom Road initiative, this call to pause initiative. Here we are again being posited and positioned and and portrayed as individuals who should only care about, uh, uh, you know, those who don't have enough to eat or purportedly don't have enough to eat. I say purportedly because biblically, if you study the Bible, you just can't declare yourself to be poor and be uh, be uh, looked to be treated as poor. Mm-hmm. In scripture, poverty is demonstrable. Mm-hmm. Okay, and we covered this when we did our um, episode on the Justin and broadcast on a uh, on immigration and the gospel. That'll be episode thirty four. If you not had a t- opportunity to look at that. But in that episode, we go to great lengths to establish one, uh, uh, the point that poverty and the poor in Scripture is demonstrable. It is objectively defined. Mm-hmm. You can't just declare yourself to be poor as a label and then expect to get the uh, the uh, the response, the, the Christ-like response to that need. You must have a legitimately a legitimate objective need. Then we who profess to be believers in Christ ought to respond to that legitimate objective need. Okay. Um, We are not to be naive in our response to the poor. I'm not going to sit here on this broadcast of just thinking and say, that I am uh, oblivious to the fact that there are uh, child smugglers crossing the border engaged in human trafficking. That's going on too. Mm -hmm. That's going on too. I'm not naive to the fact that there are terrorists crossing into the United States from the border. Mm -hmm. There is who knows what amount of tonnage of illegal drugs crossing the border, destroying 
families and lives. And yet here you have not only a naive uh, suggestion, but an unbiblical one that we just open up these borders, take all these people in as if we're not to apply any semblance of uh, objectivity, uh, definition, uh, uh, anything of the sort. All we have to do is listen to these clarion calls out there. They label them poor. They label them disenfranchised. And all of a sudden, that's all that's necessary for us to respond in a Christ-like way. But listen, sorry, I'm not naive to the, to the other things that, that are the reality that's going on um, at, at the border. Now, we I don't want to rehash what we already covered in a previous episode. Right. But the fact is, I don't know about you, Omaha, but when I go to bed at night, I lock my door. Right. I set my alarm system. Mm-hmm. I carry a weapon in the right. glove compartment I, I, of I my car. Me. You got a few, you got a few weapons in there, but not nobody roll up in there just kind of, you know, thinking they can try something. Right. Like I tell, I, like I tell people, I said, look, hey, don't let the eyeglasses fool you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I will, I, hey, I will do what is necessary. Right, right, okay. Right. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right, but again, uh, the, the 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 Bible calls us to help the poor, mm. but it calls us to help the legitimately poor. Mm-hmm. Not those who simply declare themselves to be poor. Right. Okay, listen, what did Jesus, this is what Jesus chastised uh, Judas about. When Judas was making a big deal that you, you could have sold that perfume and taken all that money and put it into the treasury box. Well, Jesus chastised him for that. Mm-hmm. Like, says, says, wait, wait, what? I'm paraphrasing here. What do you, what do you care so much about the poor? Mm-hmm. G- G- Jesus read Judas's heart. Mm-hmm. He knew Judas didn't care about the poor. Judas was a thief. He would take the money from the treasury. That's why he wanted to sell the perfume and get the money for it. Right. You know, so we're not we're not supposed to be naive. Uh, it's like Jesus himself said, you know, I send you out as sheep among wolves. Mm-hmm. Okay. But what I was responding to in that blog article was the hypocrisy. It's just the hypocrisy I see here. Uh with respect to the respect to these brothers and sisters in in in, uh, in Freedom Road ministry with this call to pause. Where were you got where was your call to pause with uh Sotomayor and Kagan who who Obama deliberately nominated towards the end, towards the goal of getting homosexual marriage legalized? Mm-hmm. Where was your call to pause then? I mean, if you're also if if you're so concerned about justice and uh, you know God's principles and precepts being applied in our system of government mm-hmm. with respect to the Supreme Court in this case, where were your protestations then? Mm-hmm. What I see here, with all due respect, is a group of hypocrites. Right. Right. And I, and I think and I think for the most part they see they see an opportunity as as men as we're as we're closing in on time I think I think they see an opportunity um, to, to 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 again legislate from the bench I mean most of these issues uh, that they're talking about with with regard to um, you know seeing poverty eradicated seeing seeing you know things happen in the in the form of of laws L- laws laws aren't created. Uh, at at the at the at the point of the Supreme Court, right? right. L- law, laws are examined at that level. Uh, we, we we examine the law to ensure that justice is is actually taking place. Uh, that the, the Supreme and that, I mean we we actually need to go back through and kind of re re reeducate people uh, that 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 Congress is actually the ones that that makes the laws, and, right. and it's it's the Supreme Court that interprets those laws and, and determines how things are to are to flow. What what is what is actual justice based upon the laws as as they're written and, and were the laws actually constitutional. But I think what's what's happened is more times than not, folks are looking for it as you put it from the from the from the uh, outset of of the broadcast. They're looking for woke justices. Right. They're, they're looking for social justices right who who will enact social justice 
uh, for the purpose and cause of those that they see that are that are disenfranchised. Right. Not Is that the right? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not stupid. The, the folks at Freedom Road are pushing an agenda themselves. They're accusing white evangelicals primarily of pushing an agenda when they themselves are doing the same thing. And last point I want to make, I know we're coming up on time, but in, in, in prepping for this episode, I looked up the oath of office that a Supreme Court justice has to take. Yeah. They take two oaths. They take a judicial oath and a um, a uh, constitutional oath. Sometimes they take what's called a combined oath. But in that oath are these words. I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will administer justice without respect to persons and do equal right to the poor and the rich. Wow. Now, if you want if you want the Supreme Court to abide by a biblical um, uh, a, a biblical uh, precept, a biblical principle, well, there it is. In in those words, you are you are, in those words right there. The Supreme Court is right in line with Exodus twenty three three and Leviticus nineteen mm-hmm. nineteen fifty. There you go. Yeah. So I, I think the folks at Freedom Road already have what they want. They just don't realize it. Mm. Wow, wow, and that that I mean that pretty much sums it up right there. And yeah, uh, without without respect to persons, and do equal right to the poor and the rich. That's wow. Exodus twenty three three. That's wow. the, that's Leviticus nineteen fifteen. So again, I don't know what the folks at Freedom Road want. You already have the Supreme Court intrinsic in their oath of uh, oath of office. Mm. You already have a biblical um, paradigm right there, intrinsic yeah. within those words that lines up with your theonomic view of how the Supreme Court is supposed to operate. It's already there. Wow. Wow. That's it. That's it. I mean, that, that pretty much sums it up, man. Great job tonight. Uh, just teeing this, this whole conversation up. I know that the listeners will get in a great opportunity, man, to just go through this kind of pour through uh, what we've navigated to, to get an idea of, of how to line out the arguments that they're going to hear as this, as this nomination begins to kind of tune up and people begin to uh, have more and more conversations around uh, this particular issue. Any last words, man, as we, as we jet out of this thing. Hey, I just want to say again, Omaha It's great to have you back in the saddle. <laughs> Good to be back, man. I'm emphasizing saddle, man. Cause uh, <laughs> that's how y'all roll out there in Nebraska. <laughs> great to have you back. Thanks to all of our listeners. We appreciate you guys very much. And again, thanks for hanging in there with us with regard to the technical issues that we had on uh, episode 37. Appreciate Dwayne working so hard to get those resolved. Uh, If you've not had an opportunity to go back out there and listen to the episode on anger, please do and share that with folks you may know who are dealing with that issue. We appreciate you listeners so much. Thanks a bunch for joining us. Tune in next week. We'll see you then. God bless.